0: J.P., I really appreciate the prayers this morning for teachers. Um, as I've stepped into that, uh, that field, it, it is very interesting just to see what the schools are going through right now in a time of transition as they're preparing for kids. And um, I know many of the school systems are, are short of teachers right now, which is a great opportunity for Christians to maybe step into the school system. And uh, if, if you've ever thought about that, I might encourage you to do so. and and look for an opportunity like that. I will say it's a little crazy in that I can't even get into the classroom until I think the earliest will be the 22nd because they're so backed up on doing background checks and things of that, and I don't know, I might not pass a background check. I, I don't know, but I've got a background check. Mine's not till the 15th, and then I have to wait another six to 10 days to process that, and so there's just a long process that's happening, and my heart goes out to the students and the teachers who are gonna be holding down the fort for the next couple of weeks while they wait for reinforcements to come. And so definitely be praying for our teachers, um, and I'm excited to, to begin that journey for sure. Uh, this, uh, this weekend there's a group up at Mirabah, Camp Miraba. We have our Iron Sharp class is on a retreat up there. Shane Whittington is leading a retreat this weekend. These are our uh, college-age young professional group that's up there, and I think they have about 33 that are up there with that. I know a couple of those guys pretty well. Caleb and Gabe are up there and several others. And so be, be praying for them as they look at the heart of God. And so I think they're focusing on David uh, uh, David in the Old Testament and Psalm 51 and the, the concept of creating me a clean heart. And so be praying for them. They'll be back this afternoon. They may be uh, beginning their travels now to, to head back. This morning we're going to spend some time in Hebrews chapter 12, so if you have your Bibles and want to turn to Hebrews chapter 12, that's where we'll spend the majority of the time, but we're going to spend a lot of other time uh, in, in different scriptures, so we'll be flipping around a lot uh, as we do that. I really appreciate uh, Todd's comments about brokenness. Um, I know that anytime I get the opportunity to stand up here, it's like my, my brokenness is ever before me. This is very humbling for me after being here for so long and, and all the times that I've preached. Um, I don't do it week in, week out, and maybe that would change a little bit if I did it week in, week out, but the times and opportunities I stand up here and I look out among this cloud of witnesses, I am reminded of my brokenness. I am reminded that, that I can't, can't do anything without God, that God has done everything for me. And I look out here, and, and Mike Michael get on to me for, for sharing this, but I, w- I was a little bit nervous as I was about to stand up this morning, and, and Mike Wagner, my brother, sent me a text, and he said, the Holy Spirit is with you. You got this, my brother. That's the kind of church that this is. It's a church that loves people and cares for people. It's a church that, in a lot of ways, has discipled me and helped me grow in my faith and grow in my conviction about who Jesus is and what He can do for us. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Him, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. I think when I learned it, it was the author and perfecter of faith. When we were at camp a few weeks ago, uh, Patterson um, asked me if I would share a little bit what I shared at camp. I did one of the devotionals on, a, on Wednesday, I, think, I believe it was Wednesday night, um, and, and I talked about this idea of being a witness or being a disciple of Christ. And when I read this, I think, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of disciples, a great crowd of disciples, we are in this together. We are not alone. And it's so interesting to me how those things, I mean, Todd kind of alluded to that in communion. There are so many times I preach or I'm teaching class And I'm not coordinating with who's preaching or who's teaching class and I see this theme kind of rise to the surface and the theme that I want to leave you with this morning or I want you to think about as we go through this message is that we are not alone and so we see a word like disciple and we start to think man a disciple that's a singular person by themselves but the truth is someone who is a disciple has lots of other people to come along and support and encourage. I want to break this this passage down just a little bit here because I think it's important as we consider what it means to be a disciple to understand that we do have support as we go into it. And so right here, the, the writer of Hebrews, he says, let us throw off everything that hinders. Everything that hinders. You know, there are things that hold us back. Sometimes it might be pride. Sometimes it might be fear. Maybe it's just a, a lack of confidence. Maybe it's bad influences. Maybe it's the, the people that we've decided to surround ourselves with that, that are not disciples. But we are to throw those things off. We are to recognize what those things are and we are to move past that. And then he goes on, he says, let us throw off the sin that so easily entangles. So, so we're, we're getting rid of those things that, that, hinders us, that hinder us. Maybe those people, those influences. And then we're moving to this concept of the sin that so easily entangles. Uh, when, when I was born, my dad was 57 years old. So my dad was 57, my mom was 30. So by the time I was... Now, oh, hold up. I just... Brad kind of looked at Sarah like, hey, I could, we could have more kids. Okay, don't... That's no... No, that, that's, that's not what I'm saying, Brad. That's not what I'm saying. OK. 57, 57 years old, my dad uh, became a father to me. And so by the time I was 13, my dad was 70. Um, and he would go out, and he'd try to throw the baseball with me. He had trouble seeing it a little bit. I remember one time I threw one, and it hit his hand. And I remember I felt really bad because uh, it missed the glove or something. Uh, But what my dad and I did a lot together was fishing. And my dad taught me how to fish. He taught me how to, uh, you know, to cast, to try to miss the trees. But every once in a while, I would get a line tangled in a tree. I remember one time I pulled the line back so hard that the the line kind of snapped back toward me and the the hook got hooked in my cheek. (laughs) One time, that was really bad. Um, I remember getting, getting lures caught in rocks and things of that nature and then trying to pull and pull and pull and then all of a sudden it comes back and then it's like a nest of fishing line and then you're over there trying to untangle that I think that's what sin does to us sometimes it, it, it can kind of get a hold of us and get things tangled up and, and really what we need to do sometimes is just cut the line and we need to start fresh And that's what I believe the Hebrew writer's talking about here, that to throw off, to get rid of that sin that that so easily entangles, to learn that, hey, if I cast over here, I'm going to get hung up in the rocks. Or if I cast in this area, I'm going to get my line tangled in the trees. And so as we think about being a disciple and being a witness of Christ, we have to think about positioning ourselves and placing ourselves in such a way that we don't get entangled with sin. And so it's important to be able to do that and to take it and to cut the line and throw it off. He goes on to say, let us run with perseverance. I'm not a runner. I, I, uh, Chuck and I kind of joke one time because we were trying to do this running competition um, and we called it like, um, like jogging, like jogging, walking. And, and we did this thing like where we had to have so much, like we had to, our, our miles had to be under a certain amount of time which basically was the equivalent of a speed walk, because uh, Chuck and I were really out of shape when we started it. But the hardest part about running and the times I've tried to do it is when I try to run alone. And, and not necessarily somebody physically there with me, but I was able to run quite a bit, more than I ever thought I could do, because I had Chuck challenging me and encouraging me and, and, and trying to get me to run with him. And so I think it is important as we run this race that we don't do it alone. And that we realize it's not, it's not a sprint. It's not going to just happen. Our, your, your faith is not going to be instantly deeper because of a message I preach today, or Patterson preaches, or because of camp, or because of a retreat. It's not going to go from, from here to exactly where it needs to be and be able to stay there. It's going to be a consistent following of Christ a consistent time with Him. And so that is perseverance. And then lastly, he says, let us run the race marked out for us as we fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. There there is a pattern. There is a pattern that you can follow to deepen your spiritual relationship with God. 1 Peter 2.21 says this, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in His steps. Amen. That we should study that pattern. We should look to what it is that God is doing and what Jesus did. And the way that we do that is we spend time in His Word. And this is one of those times where, honestly, I, I'm, I'm very humbled to say that. You know, for me... One of the ways I feel like I really connect with God is through, through silence, through uh, spending time in nature, uh, through listening to music. You know, I, I've got a playlist that, that I'll play, and I play that over and over again. Um, those are the ways I connect with God. Uh, reading is not my strong suit. It's not something that I necessarily enjoy, and I kind of have to force myself into that. But John chapter 8 and really, there's a section of verses here, and I'm just going to kind of summarize it. But basically, it says this, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This concept of abiding in something, it's diving deep. It's getting into the word of God. And the time that we do that, and when we do that, that is when we'll be able to truly be disciples. It's, 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 this, it's this idea of conformity. Uh, in Romans chapter 12, kind of the opposite, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I, I think you could almost replace the word conform there and say, you know, do not abide in the pattern of this world. We're not to abide in the pattern of this world. We are to fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And make that your pattern. That's what it means to be a disciple. You know, at this time of year, we have, we have a lot of transition that's going on. Uh, some of you guys, probably a good portion of you, you're going to develop new patterns kind of where you go, what you do, who you interact with, especially if you're involved in education. All the teens, you guys are going to develop these new patterns. The ones going to college especially, new patterns, new schools, new places. And you have to make a decision, a conscious decision, to put God at the forefront of the things that you are doing. Because if you don't, believe me, Satan would love to put other things in the the middle of what you're doing. And so think through how you might do that. Thinking about this concept of uh, conformity. we see it in society all the time you know, the latest styles or the latest sayings or, 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 or things of that nature. When uh, ASA is playing baseball this year, and I'm, I'm c- helping coach ASA's baseball team this year, and uh, it's funny to watch him watch the big boys, like throw balls or you know, or hit or whatever. And you know, Ace, I don't know what it is, but like he can't just get up there and hit the ball. He's got to come up and he's got to twirl his bat a couple of times, you know, and do that. I'm like I didn't teach him that. Like, but he's seen that. He's seen the big boys do that or the way he throws the ball or the way he catches the ball. I see him doing that. Now what I do is yesterday I got to go be part of a draft. I, this, this blows my mind. Seven and eight-year-old boys, we had a draft <laughs> to draft our players, okay? Um, And we had an evaluation, like I went and got there with a clipboard and watched seven and eight-year boys throw baseballs, catch baseballs, hit baseballs, and I ranked them in order of like which ones I might pick first. Um, So I go to this draft and uh, so I'm over at Smyrna at the the town hall in Smyrna and all these coaches are there. There's 14 teams in the league. We're all piled in this room. Everybody's got their notes and their laptops and you know, everything's, I came in with like a little sheet of paper. That's all I had. I was like, this is my first time doing it, so next time I gotta bring the laptop, so at least I look serious. Um, But I come in and, you know, somebody picks, and I had the very first pick in the draft. And so I thought, I know the guy that I want. Like, I I got this guy. I picked him, and everybody was like, "Hmm." the guy that picks the second guy, the second guy that was picked, everybody went, oh, that's a good pick. I'm like, what, man. But that, that bothered me, it's like, like I, wanted to, I wanted to be part of that crowd, like I wanted to conform. Like Even as adults we do this, we're, like, we're looking to be part of things and it just wasn't happening. Um, so many times the guys were like, oh that was a good pick, I didn't get that once, not one time. So, uh, so we're going to have a lot of fun this year in baseball apparently. Uh, Conformity is, is something that, that we're all going to deal with and we all have to kind of choose who we're going to conform to and who we're going to follow. Think about this idea of a witness. I want you to think of it as a concept, especially with this scripture and others, that witness is the same thing as a disciple. A disciple. When I I talked to Patterson about sharing this message, and he wanted me specifically to share kind of my last three parts of my message at camp, um, I want you to think about discipleship in in, in three different ways, I'm going to break these down, and that is, as a disciple, I think we should all find one, find a disciple, I think we should all be one, and then we need to be making disciples, we need to make one. And so, first of all, with this idea of finding a disciple. Paul says this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 9. He says, "...the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you." And so as Paul followed Christ, so those who were in his time followed him and took him as his example Uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Paul says again, follow my example as I follow Christ. And John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, a new command I give to you that you would love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have loved one another. And so find people that you see loving people. Find people that you see loving people. And then in John chapter 13, uh, here's this scene where Jesus goes. Um, it, they're there. He's, they're, they're sharing a meal together. And Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Again, find those who serve and love either other people. Observe them. Look for ways to, to, to maybe link to them. We all have to find disciples. We all have to find people who are following Christ. We have to find at least one to help us with that. The second point is to be one. Make sure that you are a disciple. In Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 24, it says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. This is not an easy passage. Um, I, I feel like it's one that we, we know. I mean, we're familiar with it. We're familiar with the passage. But a concept of self-denial, to deny oneself, it means to forget oneself entirely, to pull yourself out of the equation, to reject the thought of doing what pleases you or what pleases ourselves rather than what would please God. Instead of gratifying ourselves we, or indulging ourselves in ways that, that our sinful nature might desire, we're called to deny ourselves. Not only deny, but to reject anything and everything that will get in the way of offering God our full and complete service. That is denial. It's, it's not just to, to kind of sit along the side and not say anything. It is, a, it is a very active voice in Scripture right here. It's a very active thing to deny oneself. Then he says to, to take up his cross. Being a Christian means lying ourselves on the altar every day. To take up our cross daily. To to wake up each morning and to say, you know, Lord, today is your day. And I am your vessel. Use me to glorify you. Use me to give give you glory and to give people hope. That's what God is calling us to do. And then He says, not only do you take up your cross, but you also have to follow me. You know, I think... I think a lot of times for Christians, and, and, and when I say that, I'm, I'm throwing myself in that mix as well, so please hear that. I think a lot of times as Christians, when we think about this concept of taking it, you know, deny ourselves, take up our cross, I think a lot of times we stop there. And, and maybe, that's, maybe that's the point of baptism. It's like, man, I'll pick that cross up, but, but, but I, I don't want to go to Galgotha. I don't I don't wanna I don't wanna follow Jesus to the hill to be crucified. But man, hey, I, I've taken it up. I got my cross. I go to church. You know, I go on Sunday mornings. I go to Bible class too. Go on Wednesday nights. You know, but back when, when Aaron and I were dating and it was kind of like my first my first days in church to go to church, man, I liked her so much I was even going on Sunday nights. I mean, I was I was fully committed to church. If I could sit next to her and hold her hand, I was there, and I was going to be there. But that's not that's just taking it up. Like we just take it up, And, and, and we you know we we post things on Facebook and we we you know we share maybe this activity or this retreat that we went on. But are we willing to actually take that cross and follow Jesus? To deny oneself, to take up the cross, and to follow. Because if you're doing that, it's going to cost you something. There's going to be a price involved in it. Uh, A.W. Tozer is a uh, great theologian and author. This is his quote Millions follow Christ, but very few follow the crucified Christ. Millions follow Christ, but very few follow the crucified Christ. There is a difference. There is a difference. And as you guys think about you know, finding someone a disciple, you know, and you think about being a disciple, keep these things in mind. Because what you need is someone like a, a Romans 1.16 person. This is what Romans 1.16 says, and this is who we need to be as disciples. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes first for the Jew and also for the Greek. That we would not be ashamed. Because when we take up that cross, that's one thing. It's like, hey, we're a Christian. But to follow Christ is to, in all of our life, decide that we're not going to be ashamed of it. And so, when I step into a baseball draft, and I'm interacting with people after that, that I find ways to mention something that is so dearly important to me. And that is my salvation through Jesus. And so, so be one. So find one, be one, and then lastly, make one. You know, in all of scripture, there is nothing, there's no command or admonition from the Lord that is stronger than to make disciples. You know, we it talk we, we talk about loving each other, and we talk about the church and the community and the body of believers. All these things are very important. Um but there is a strong command for us to make disciples, for, for, to help other people make that step. In Matthew 28, verses uh, 18 through 20, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. One of the very final things that Jesus said to us was to go into the world and to preach the good news and to make disciples. In Acts uh, chapter 1, verse 8, he says this, "But you will receive a power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses, or be my disciples, my witnesses or my disciples in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth." And so God is calling us to make disciples. In Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 17, how then, excuse me, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him in whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching to them? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, come, who has believed what he has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. Or the word of Christ. And so it is upon us. His disciples. To share the good news. And then I want to close with this verse. From 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 8. Verses 1 through 10. Or I'm sorry. Chapter 1 verses 8 through 10. So don't be embarrassed. To speak up. To speak up for our master or for me. Now this, this, is, a, this is the message version. It, it's a, more of a commentary. Don't be embarrassed to speak up for our master or for me, his prisoner. Take your share of suffering for the message along with the rest of us. We can only keep going after all by the power of God who first saved us and then called us to his holy work. We had nothing to do with it. It was all His idea, a gift prepared for us in Jesus long before we knew anything about it. But we know it now. But we know it now. Since the appearance of our Savior, nothing could be plainer. Death is defeated, life vindicated, and in a steady blaze of light, all through the work of Jesus. God has given us a great message to share. And so as we, uh, as we get ready to prepare to have some prayer time, I want to ask you all to, uh, to do something. Now, you know, our, our shepherds, they're going to be up front and, and there'll be opportunities um, to pray with our shepherds. There may be other people in this room that, that you have seen as, as, a, as a Christ follower that you might want to go and, and pray with them and thank them for their example. Uh, you may want to go and... Um, get rid of some of, that ten, some of that sin. You may want to cut the line. You may want to come up here and talk to one of our shepherds or talk to someone close to you and say, hey, I'm ready to let go of this. I'm ready to untangle this mess. I'm ready to throw it off so that I can be a better disciple. This year, especially as you move through school, look for these opportunities to find one, to be one, and to make one as to